let's pray. Father, speak through me, bless through me, and uh, hold my heart that I will speak out of love. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, you heard a prayer. Okay. And the Lord should hold my heart so I can speak out of love. Agape, just agape. Agapilization. Just agapilization. Amen. So, quickly, get your, um, your Bibles and turn to Galatians 5, 22, 23. You know we are doing a series on the fruit of the Spirit. A series on the fruit of the Spirit. There should be less movement because I've come in early. People will be arriving whilst I'm in the pulpit. Please make sure that there is, we have very, very, very limited movement. Don't bring anybody to the front again as I'm speaking. Everybody that comes you, please be at the back. Okay? So we are looking on the fruits, as the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. Now, so we are looking at the first of the fruits of the Spirit in the last few weeks. And uh, we've been talking, so this is the fruit of the Spirit. And we've been looking at it the last few weeks. But we have taken agape. So go to the agape drawing. And we are looking at, no, the, 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 so we are looking at the supremacy of agape, the superiority of agape, the specificity of agape, the source of agape, the sincerity of agape, the strength of agape, the service of agape, the submissiveness of agape, the symbol of agape, the sacrifice of agape, the strap of agape, the show of agape, the sympathy of agape, the steps of agape. Today we are on the service of agape. The service of agape. The service of agape. So quickly, because I agape you, I don't want to keep you in the heat. So let me quickly preach this. Can we go to slide 31? Slide 31. No, slide, sorry, slide 30. The service of agape. The service of agape. Elder Becky Bruce Mills. One of the most outstanding people I've ever met in my life. What a woman she is. Peaceful. Humble. Not quarrelsome. Not a gossip. A very wonderful person. But when it even comes to mothering, she's even more wonderful. And you know when I discovered this? Years ago, when her triplets had to prepare to take examination for the university. Then I used to have my office at Community 18. And I have space, a lot of space in the facility. Elder Bruce Mills, in the morning, will bring her triplets 
to my office and sit by them to learn was like a school. She, they, are, they are sitting by the table and she's sitting by them. In the morning, they were coming like 8 a.m. They will be there. Then she will come with lunch packs. Lunch time, she will give them break and serve them lunch. And then they will close around four. And she did this for several weeks. Why is um, baby Teria? Is Beauty here? Come, come. Beauty, Beauty is one of the triplets. How many weeks, how many months did your mother do that? So for one month, one solid month, and I'm sure you went to university because of that. I'm sure you and your siblings went to university because of that. So why would a woman take 30 days? 30 days and every day, thank you, every day sit by her children to study and provide food, be there with them and sit down with them. Do you know why? The real test of love is how hard you work to make the person you love successful. All that Elder Bruce Mills was doing was working hard to make her children whom she loves successful. Today, all of them are university graduates. Because that is the nature of love. If you love someone, you are committed to working to make the person successful. All of us who truly love our children are sacrificing our sleep, our health, our monies, everything to make sure our children become successful. Why? Because we love them. I told you several stories of my mom and her involvement in bringing us up. The sacrifice this woman had to make for me to become who I have become is amazing. Why? Love. Mommy tells me how a mother has to raise them alone and how she has to get into cooking to sell and how she has to go to the farms in the villages and harvest cassava by herself and sit on these big wooden trucks from the village to their hometown so that she could prepare food to sell to take care of them. The real test of love is how the person you love works hard to promote your interest. Are you here? Works very hard to promote your interest. As young couples, I, be, I remember mommy was preparing to write an examination. She was working. She had Kevin. And she had me. She had to take care of me and preparing to write the examination. I saw the stress. In one of the examinations, I said, give me the textbook. 
go to work. Because I'm good with book reviews and summaries. I said, by the time you come, I would have summarized the books for you. And you don't have to read all. Sat down from morning till evening. Summarize mommy's one full textbook to get her to go and write her examination. Love works for those you love. One day, you no, know, when I married mommy, I've always shared my background, how I grew up. I used to have some boxer shorts. Green, red. I like multicolored boxer shorts. You remember those kind of uh, boxer shorts? As it wasn't even boxer shorts, they were pants. Supporter. We used to call it supporter. And they were like multicolored. I went to do the marriage with it. Then one day, I went to town when I came. There were beautiful 100% cotton singlets and supporters washed with bleach. Beautiful white ones on the dry land. I thought we just started a business, second-hand clothing business. So I asked mommy, whose are these things? Guess what? She didn't like my boxer shorts. So on her own, she went to Katamanto. You know Katamanto? I have suffered all. <laughs> to buy second-hand panties, supporters, and singlets. White ones. And came and bleached them, washed them, and hung them for me. Covitite. Love works for those it loves. And it comes naturally. So I've always said to people, when you are not crazily in love with him or with her, don't marry her. Don't marry him. Because love calls for sacrifices that are not very easy. If the person is not working hard to promote your interest, there's a question mark about the person's love for you. So look at the scripture. First Thessalonians 1 verse 3. For we remember before our God and Father how you put your faith into practice. How you, your love made you work so hard. And how your hope in our Lord Jesus is firm. Our focus is on how, from the Good News by translation, how your love, how your agape made you work so hard. Made you work so hard. I am telling every one of you here, under the sound of my voice, that the evidence of your love for Christ is how hard you work for him. I met a guy on a train in London. He was wearing Chelsea's t-shirt. Chelsea's replica jersey. And he came and sat in front of me. I guess he was a painter. Because he had paint in his listing. So you know I'm a Chelsea fan. 
Professor Cedric is a Tottenham fan. Unfortunately, there are not a lot of Tottenham fans in Ghana, except the president. <laughs> and now, so I engaged the guy in the conversation because we are not doing well nowadays, Chelsea. So I said, what is happening to our team? Then the guy starts giving me history, telling me, telling me how the team will rebound, how, how we got banned from recruiting this thing, how we sold the team, and did the analysis of the effect, and it would take three to five years for us to recover, and blah, 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 blah. And then he told me how he bought his season tickets, even though we are losing. And how much it So I was looking at the painter who has bought a season ticket. How much it cost him. How confident he was that the team would bounce back. And then I concluded in the train that I like Chelsea, but he loves Chelsea. You, you understand? You see, most Christians like Jesus, but they don't love him. Okay? But they don't love him. And you know what? We like Jesus. Do you know what? We like our church. It's a nice church. This church is a nice church. When we like Jesus, this church has nice girls in it. Let me go and catch one. When we like Jesus, this church has nice boys in it. Let me go and catch one. When we like Jesus, I love the sermon of my pastor. When we like Jesus. You see, there are so many things that brings us to church. And in most cases, love, agape, for him is not in the equation. In most cases, it has nothing to do with we loving him. So let me show you something. If we look around, you can see that attendance is low. You know why? Because the pastoral associates are distributing, are distributing I, I, I plus letters. So this morning, most of them could not go to bars people from their centers. And all of us could not beat just 30 pastoral associates. All of us here could not say, let's keep filling the chapel even if the pastoral associates are not here. Because you know what? The difference between us and them is that they love the Lord, we like the Lord. You know, are, are you here with me? Most of us came to service today not with a single soul. Because those who love the Lord work hard for him. Work hard for him. Now let me show you something. I'm quickly going to show you a few things. When I say I'll preach short, it means that I'm going to preach long. But because you agape him, the heat will not discourage you. You did not respond well. You are making me doubt your love. Can I now teach you something? Do you, do you know the pastoral associates have been traveling the whole week, midnight delivering letters in remote communities in the western region, in the central region, in the eastern region. They've been traveling the whole night. When I give you handbills, 10 handbills to share with your neighbors, they are in your car. They are still there. The program has expired, but the handbills are still there. So anytime you look, you look at, you see a handbill that was given to you to share, and you did not, don't you feel guilty? 
Last night, mommy and I, we did a graduation, Accra Business School. Once we were returning, we saw a missed call from Accra, so we called back. Was almost 9 o'clock, 9 p.m. after 9 p.m. After 9 p.m., we called back, and Akria said, oh, it was your daughter, Titibia. She wanted to tell you guys that she wants Beggar King. Charles was driving me without thinking about it. Beggar King, we are going. I'm a bishop. Chairman of the University Council. Living a graduation in my designer suit. And a 13 year old girl is commanding me that I want Beggar King. And here I was driving to go and get Beggar King after 9 p.m. And even the one who did not ask, Nanedu, I go additional one for him. Why? I love them. Love makes you work for those you love. If you love God, you will work for him. If you love Christ, there will be evidence of you working for him. The questions coming on your mind, how do we work, where do we work, etc., etc. You know, pastors, I was just looking around and said, so why didn't my pastors take over visiting the stations when the pastoral associates were going round? Is it that they love the Lord and you like the Lord? Is a question, no. I am not accusing you of anything. I'm asking you a question. All of you, are, you already know the style of my sermons. They must be practical. There must be examples to prove. Isn't it? I like um, Edaita's post today. But has Edaita ever visited any of the stations where we bust people from? Is it the case that he likes the Lord? And the pastoral associates love the Lord? It's only a question. I am not accusing you of sin. Can I approach more people and ask those questions? Can I? Well, somebody will say, yeah, daddy, we used to do it. Uh, maybe Daita will say, yeah, daddy, we used to do it. We used to distribute uh, I plus letters. We used to. Anytime you start talking about what you used to do, your love has grown cold. Your love has grown cold. I can't, you used to. You used to. What happened to that love? Did you give all to your wife? I, are you here with me? Do you understand what I'm sharing with, with you? So we are on a journey. We are on a journey. Now, the big question is, how do I serve the Lord? How do I do it? And I don't know how to do it. Okay, can, can we go to the next slide? You see, this is the typical church for you. When you enter into any church, it looks like this. It's a big church with smaller churches in it. These smaller churches are called departments. And if you love the Lord, you will be in any of these departments. 
women's fellowship, youth fellowship, outreach, men, children, hospitality, that is ushers, uh, protocol, um, sanctuary keeping, and then music ministry, prayer ministry. And when I say you belong to any of these departments, I'm not just saying a membership of that department. I am saying a hard worker of that department. How, how can you say I belong to the women's fellowship? And yet, there is no assignment for you. It is very easy for you to say, I belong to the choir. And yet, there is no assignment for you. And I'll show you very soon. Okay. Now, in this diagram, you will also see Satan in the diagram. See the designs there. It looks like Manchester United's logo, Red Devil. All Manchester United supporters are Red Devils. You are aware? Now, do you know where Satan operates the most in every church? Satan operates in the space. In the space. That's why people who don't work, who don't do anything in church, are the most troublesome people in church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody is a joy witness, former joy witness. We heard you saying Yehovah. Are you hearing me? I'm telling I've been a pastor all my life. All my life I've been a pastor. And for over 40 years, I've been a church boy working for the Lord. I know the in and outs of churches. My pastors I served under, my spiritual father and other pastors who engaged me to work for them, the people that hurt them most, the people that caused them trouble, the people who were vinegar to their who have vinegar to their mouth and smoke to their eyes were the people who were not tight payers, who were not uh, working in the church, who were not in any department. Because the devil will find work for the idle hands. The devil will find work for you if you are in a church and you are not working for the Lord, not in any department, you are not working for the Lord, the devil will find a special job for you. And the devil's job is one, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So you tell stories. The devil will use you to tell stories to steal people's joy people's love for the church people's zeal for the church the devil will use you to kill people's enthusiasm for the church the devil will use you to pull pillars down say negative things and most people who do these things ladies and gentlemen i present to you they are the people in the space who do nothing for the lord I have said to you over and over that church presents you the opportunity to serve the Lord. I don't owe you gratitude for what you do in this church. In fact, if there should be a human being who deserves any praise, any appreciation, it should be the pastor who started this work in an uncomputed classroom and created and laid the foundation where 
you discovered your music ministry, where you discovered an opportunity to serve the Lord. But all glory is given to the Lord. So you see, the people I fear most are people who think that they're coming to church is, is some kind of right. One time, one person in this church was so upset that on his birthday, nobody celebrated him. And he had the courage to call me. And say, you see, daddy, daddy, this church, eh? and I guess he was referring to me. This church, eh? we, we see some people are favored more than the others. I said, what is it? He said, daddy, today is my birthday. Nobody is saying anything on the platform. I said, oh, can I call you back? You know why? I didn't want to apologize too early. I wanted to make sure that my, he's worth my apology. So I went back on the church platform, started going through. He hasn't commented on anything for a year. I had the patience to go through all the church platform. I caught the guy. I said, hello. <laughs> I said, normally people call me on their birthday for me to pray for them. They don't call me to accuse me of sin. So I want to pray for you. Because I have just checked on the platform. There have been, recently, there have been about five birthdays. You never wished anybody anything. How do you expect anybody to wish you something? I belong to other professional WhatsApp platforms. And because I'm a very busy person, I don't always post on them. And I realize that the WhatsApp platforms I don't post on, anytime I post something later on it, nobody comments. Life seems to be very transactional. You do me, I do you. Are you here with me? Do unto others what you want others to do unto you. But see, the most important lesson I want us to learn from here is that those who love the Lord work very hard for the Lord. Give them any job and they will do it. Give them any work and they will do it. See the devil? See the devil? This could be one of you. This could be one of you. Just yesterday, just yesterday, you discouraged someone who is very active in one of the departments. Just yesterday, by making a negative comment. The amount of data you spend making phone calls and discouraging people from serving the Lord, if we use that same data to reach out to souls, it will be more of a blessing to you than what you do. Sometimes I look at some of the church, I'm on all the platforms, all the platforms, and I see things that people put there to just make people laugh. That is fine. But, but serving God is more than that. I see fights on church platforms. And some people will call me from behind and say, Daddy, won't you intervene? Won't you call this person to order? The Bible says that you should know the state of your flock. I know some of you are sheep. Some of you are goats. 
the goats, you don't call them to order. Some of you are wheat. Some of you are wheat. Wheat. The wheat, you leave them. The Bible said, let them grow together. And when on the, uh, on the, on the, they have going the harvest, we will separate them and we will burn the others. You know, sometimes you see some conversation going on and you know that this person is inviting you for a fight. Are you understanding me? So here is what I want you to do. I do not want you to remain in the space. And I'm going to give you reasons why you should not remain in the space, but you should remain in a group. The next slide, please. Here is what Jesus said. Matthew 20, 26. Not so with you. He said, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. How many of you know that my personal logo is a donkey? My personal logo is a donkey. Because I, I love doing the donkey jobs. Well, I learned it from here. Not so would you. He said, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. In my spiritual father's church, I was the most looked down upon, most despised, but I was serving the Lord with a wholehearted devotion. Whoever wants to be great amongst you must be your servant. The secret to greatness, the secret to greatness is in service. Serving the Lord. Serving the Lord. What I have become, what I have become is as a result, service to the Lord. I'll tell you about my relationship with Professor Cedric Bell and how God connected us. Are you aware that because of my relationship with Professor Cedric Bell, I have access to the house of laws. Most of your politicians drive, the, fly from here to go and see the Westminster building, but they cannot even enter. I have access to top leaders in the UK political system. I have interviewed General Petrus as a result of my relationship with him. And do you know why? Because some service are rendered somewhere. God is using him to make me great. In this country, I've had access to all the presidents. In fact, one of the times we're going to visit one of the presidents, I said, oh, I, I used to, I used to, when I was a young Christian, T.L. Osborne, um, um, an American evangelist, Rehan Bonke, and the rest used to come to Ghana. But what even impressed me was T.L. Osborne's crusade at the Independence Square. It was packed to capacity, packed to capacity, full, packed to capacity. And they were waiting, they were not coming. We were waiting, they were not coming. Where is T.L. Osborne? And then suddenly, T.L. Osborne appears without Bishop Nicholas Duncan Williams. He was a young man by then. He was called uh, Pastor Nick or something. Then they came upstairs and Archbishop took the microphone and said, oh, we, we came late because we went to see the president. Then Rollins was the president. And then when T.L. Osborne, I prayed with your president and I led him to Christ. And I was just standing there shaking and said, when will I ever meet presidents? And now I meet presidents and when I'm now called for a meeting to meet the president, I feel like it's too much, I'm busy. You know why? 
every genuine service comes with one reward greatness and let me show you from you see before you go to the next slide look for our generation leadership is position possession and power and it's our politicians that have deliberately defined leadership to be like this so all of you want to be politicians than to become pastors because even, even when we are talking to our children, when we are talking to our children to take their studies serious, we use the political definition of leadership. We tell our children, go to school so that when you qualify, you can get a good position. And then when you get a good position, you can now earn bigger income and then you can build houses, you can buy cars, you can lead a good life, and then nobody will look down upon you. Sometimes we even tell our daughters so that your husband will not look down upon you. Do you understand? So that is our definition of leadership. We tell them position, possession, power, and sometimes that is how we are in church. We can be offended when we are not put on our preferred seats. Because in your mind, I know people in church who came here with nothing. Suddenly, they start getting money and they feel offended that daddy did not recognize me in this or did not ordain me to this position and could leave church. Yes, some of you are not happy with me at all. Because I have not put you in a position that you think you have possession, so you must have possession. I have seen poor people become rich, and suddenly they want to be worshipped in the church. I met a guy who had been given a big political appointment as a result of studying with the Graduate School of Governance and Leadership. So we met somewhere, and he was telling me, so he was telling his testimony, that when the, 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 the position was highly competitive, and then when they were going through their thing, the president at that time who appointed him saw the graduate school of governance and leadership certificate and said ah so this guy has this oh then let's give him the position so he got a position so he was sharing it with me so the first question i usually ask people is where do you go to church because i want to start salvation conversation so as where do you go to church he mentioned the church very good church the next question is to find out your seriousness in your church will be what do you do in your church guess what he said he said i'm a traffic warden a big political leader i said traffic warden he said yes before i got my appointment and became popular in this country i used to be at the traffic of the car park of the church and once i became politically popular my pastor made a special seat for me and told me i should come to the front row i said no man of god <laughs> i still want to be at the traffic i still want to park cars i still want to park cars and this guy has the jesus jesus definition of leadership and that is this jesus for jesus leadership is the capacity to serve the capacity to serve and true service begins from here not so with you he said whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant the key word here is servant 
Can we quickly look at what servant is? Who a servant is? Next slide, please. Before we look at who a servant is, I want to just establish this before we look at it. Now, almost every biblical leader was once a loyal and dedicated servant. Moses served Jethro. Elisha served Elijah. Joshua served Moses. Samuel served Eli. David served Saul. Joseph served Potiphar. Peter served Jesus. And we can go on and on and on and on, and you will find that every great leader, every hero you see in the Bible was once a servant of someone. Am I preaching to someone here? Am I talking to you? Okay? Was once a servant of someone. You have to be a dedicated servant for you to become a successful leader. One of the best, best, best United Nations General Secretary that has ever been produced was Kofi Annan. Because Kofi Annan rose through the ranks. I believe I'm a good pastor. I believe that I am a lover of Christ. You know what? I have risen through the ranks. I was once church cleaner, cleaning churches like this, arranging. I was once a sound person. Can you imagine? The local lead manufactured speakers. I was a sound person of it. I used to arrange chess on Osha. I was once a prayer warrior. I was once a home cell leader. I was once a community for Christ organizer. I was once um, a counselor. I was once a youth pastor. I was once a branch pastor. I was once a men's fellowship pastor. If they had even added a women's fellowship, I would have pastored. I was once a branch pastor. Now, I am a senior pastor. There is nothing I have not done in church. I have risen through the ranks. I understand the way church works and church operates. And I know one thing. All those who serve God faithfully, especially those who were faithful in little things, those who were not offended that they were not made the men's fellowship leader, but they were rather made ushers or protocol. Or they were made, they were given some, some very untitled assignments. Untitled assignments. I have seen those who were faithful in those little things rise up to become great leaders. Nobody in my church, when I was a 14-year-old boy in fellowship, Nobody would have ever thought that I would be where I am today. But I was faithful in little things. Nobody would have thought that. But I was faithful in little things. Can you be a faithful query star? So that God can make you. God can trust you one day and make you an MP. One day and make you a first lady. Can you be a faithful someone? A faithful usher. Just serve. Don't have position in your mind. Find something to do. And this shouldn't be difficult if you love the Lord. Because real love goes with humility.
Sometimes mommy will say, honey, I want you to massage my feet for me. That I'm, and mommy's feet, when you're massaging, 45 minutes, one hour, it's still not ready. You are now starting. And I'll be there, I'll say, pleasant place, people come and see your bishop. Oh. But see, one thing about love is that love humbles you. Love humbles you. Anybody that loves the Lord is a very humble person when it comes to working for the Lord. Can I advance this further? Can I advance this further? Let me advance this further. Listen, I want to make you a better Christian. Love does not ask, what can you do for me? Love will always ask, what can I do for you? So all those people in church looking for miracles, you are here, you are, you are in a wrong church. Because this church, we, we don't give you miracles. We want you to become the miracle. I am a miracle. I am a sign. I am a wonder. When people look at me, when people hear my story and they look at me, they put their faith in God. They put their faith in God. When God wants to make you an estate owner, a landlord, you think that you must save in for you to become a tenant. God does not want you to have miracles. He wants to make you the miracle. He wants to make you a sign and a wonder. And these principles I'm teaching you will make you. They will make you. They will make you. They will make you. I'm, I'm doing a new book. It's called The 50, 50 Life Rules. 50 Life Rules for Efficient Living and Excellence in Leadership. And I'm learning a lot myself. And, and listen, life is a game. You must play by the rules. If you do, you will become successful. And these are the rules I'm giving you here. The Christian life have, has rules. Christianity, your relationship with God, have their own rules. When you keep to these rules, you will become successful. But it's not very easy obeying rules. Next week, I'm talking about the submissiveness of love. And I'll teach you on the blessings of obedience. And I can't wait to talk about one of the, one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's called long-suffering. Your capacity, your ability to be able to wait for the Lord. We can all wait upon the Lord. Not all of us can wait for the Lord. There are people here who can do 40 days fast. That is waiting upon the Lord. But they cannot wait for God. Moses had to wait for God for 40 years. They, they, Joseph had to wait for God for 13 solid years. David was anointed. Had to wait for God for another 13 solid years. And in these years that he was waiting for the Lord, he was running and hiding in caves and sleeping on mountain tops 
could not talk to his fathers and brothers was isolated by the king. But if we are serving the same God Moses is serving, that the same God that David served, the same God that Moses served, then I want to submit to you that you need to learn how to long suffer and wait for him. I see the next president, the, the next great leader that will change this country in this service today. Oh, you don't believe it. I see that person in this service today. I see a multinational CEO in this service today. I see an MP in this service today. I see a minister of state in this service today. That is why I'm giving you the rules of engagement. I was interviewing a diplomat. And I said, you became a very successful diplomat. How did you do it? Because you have no track record of being in diplomacy before. He said, immediately you are appointed. You are taken to a training. And the rules of the game are spelled out to you. He became successful because of the rules of the game. Do you know why God let me teach you this? It's because God is giving you the rules of the game for you to become great. Am I preaching? Okay. Now, let me show you something. So, the seven characteristics of a true servant. So, let's say the word servant is a seven-letter acronym. The S is sacrifice, paying the price for the price of others. Paying the price for the price of others. There are things that you, if we're a true servant, that you do for God, not because you want God to do something for you. You do for him because you want others to benefit. So you are an usher, you are a protocol, um, you are a sanctuary keeper. You come to clean this church, you come to fix these chairs and clean them, not for yourself, but for others. If you are not doing that for the Lord, if you, are, you have no sacrifice, if you are not paying any price for the price of other people, then here you are in the wrong place in your relationship with God. God doesn't want you to have a business transaction with him. He can have it. He's a transactional God, but you cannot be a transactional person with God. I'm doing this for God so that God will do this for me. No. Sacrifice is huge. And you must make it. Excellent. Whatever you are doing for God, let it come from your heart and do it well. Do it well. Do it well as if your life depends on it. You see the time it takes me to prepare my sermons and come and deliver them. I'm doing it for the Lord. It must have a certain level of excellence. Respect. When you are serving the Lord, especially in the local church, do it with respect to those that are in authority over you and those that you are working with. Servants, honor, honor. Honor the Lord with your life. Honor the Lord with everything you do. Honor the Lord. Do it to his glory. 
do it to his glory. Let have this at the back of your mind that whatever I'm doing, I am honoring the Lord. I am offering myself as a sacrifice to honor the Lord. You have to be selfless to be a servant. And then values. Make sure that if you are called a church elder, a church leader, a departmental leader, if you are doing something for the Lord, make sure you have values. You know why mommies, we dated for eight, we dated for eight solid months, but mommy saw my boxer shorts only after we are married. I went to change them. Because of values. Values. You are dating somebody for two months, you're already sleeping. Even before the person told you, I love you. You're already sleeping with the person. And you are in church, you are here looking at me. Sleeping around, yeah, 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 sleeping around with people. And you are in church, look at my face. And all you say is that God knows my weakness. Now you know what God knows. You, you know what God knows. Listen, if you choose to be a Christian, play by the rules of the game. He's holy. You are supposed to be holy. I've already taught you that a Christian life is like a phone with apps on it. The Holy Spirit is our app. It enables us to function. Depend on him. Depend on him. Then after you come with some skills, God needs everything you have. God needs every skill you have to use it to serve him. The name you have to be bold and then trust you have to be reliable. We should be able to count on you. You have to be reliable. God should be able to count on you. Can God count on you? Even your tithe, you're not reliable. The tithe that is not yours is the loss. God gives you 10 apples and says, One of them is mine. Take it to my store and keep it there. Then you eat the nine and then you take God's tent and eat it too. I can't trust people who don't pay tight with my money. Because if you can rob God, you can rob me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can rob God, you can rob me. Okay? Now, in conclusion, hopefully. Next slide, please. In conclusion, I want you to know, though not conclusion, before conclusion, that you can find purpose in serving God. You have to be a purpose-driven servant of the Lord. Proverbs 24, 25. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Face your gaze directly before you. When you look at people, you cannot serve God. Even me as a pastor, if I look at some of you, I will not be where I am standing today. So here, look at this. Let's go, please. My 24-hour conversation with God. So I had gone on a retreat praying. I arrived, I arrived in the night. And then I said, okay, I'm tired, I'm going to rest. The next day, 
I'll start my prayer from 5 a.m. and I'll conclude at 5 p.m. So I started my prayer at 5 a.m. So I'm going 12 hours non-stop prayer. Started lying before the Lord, praying, growing, praying, 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 praying. Just around the around 4:30 p.m. started worshiping because I was going to conclude and break my fast. 12 hours non-stop. Then the Lord said to me, why are you ending your prayer? Come to the mountain top with me. I said, Lord, 12 hours and I'm still in the valley. He said, you see, there are two types of pastors, general practitioners and specialists. They see my servant Moses, they gave me this scripture, Exodus 25, 1 and 9. The Lord said to Moses, make this tabernacle and all its furnishes exactly like the pattern I will show you. He said, it's only on the mountain top that I can show you the pattern of your ministry. So come to the mountain top with me and I will show you the pattern of, my, of your ministry. I said, Lord, how do I come? He said, another 12 hours. Finish this prayer tomorrow at 5 a.m. The Lord started talking to me. By the time I finished all the 24 hours, the Lord had given me a message. 14 truth worth discovering. That Sunday, I preached that sermon for 14 Sundays. That Sunday was when Adamudu came to church for the first time. He was the first Nigerian and heard me preach. When we closed, he came to greet me. He said, what a sermon. I have never heard anybody preach like this. The next Sunday, he came with friends. And that next Sunday, Brother Ita, Eda Ita and Pastor Obina and some group, they were passing to go to action. And saw our church by the roadside in a wooden structure. They were very courageous to just drive into a wooden structure. I was preaching the second topic on that 14 truth. When they finished hearing me, they said, Wow. That the next time they were coming, they also came. The, all they said, people, is I come and listen to this guy. Charlie, what the guy teaches. By the time I finished the 14 truth, I discovered my ministry, I discovered my purpose. The church has become full. Soon after that, I was on TV. I was on radio. Teaching. Before then, I did everything in general, nothing in particular. I found my purpose. The greatest discovery I've ever discovered in my life is the discovery of why God created me. God brought you to this church for a purpose. So let me show you how you can find that purpose. Next slide, please. First, define your mission. Why am I here? God put you here for a purpose. Why am I here? Why am I in this church? Why am I in this church? Why did God put me in this church? What does God want me to do for him? Number two, where am I going with this thing God wants me to do for him? Jesus, you understand what I'm sharing with you? You have to discover who you are. I want you to discover who you are, why you are in this church. And where you are going with the Why? The next five years, by the time this year ends, I want to do something for God. What do I want to do for God? Abigail, you are there. You can hear. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? 
and then determine your deadlines always make sure you have you have a schedule with god i want by this time i should do this for god i want by this time i should do this for god i want by this time i should do this for god you must have it written down that's the way you will relate with god that's the way you become a solid christian that's the way you become a powerful christian then that's how you become a sign and a wonder Prayer is important, fasting is important, but it only shows you how to work for God. It's not a substitute for working for God. It shows you if your prayer is genuine, if your prayer is genuine, there is only one answer God gives to every prayer. When you are even asking him for marriage, he shows you work. When you are even asking him for a house, he shows you work. He shows you work because he knows that the secret to greatness is you serving him and then devise your strategies anytime you find yourself in an environment like this make sure you know who is your friend who is not your friend if what you are carrying is not leaping it's not leaping for joy when you are in talk, you are talking to me then we are not connected together I want the people around me when you come around i have some friends eh? when we sit down ideas you see bubblings we, we can talk and then we, we stand up and then we, we are standing we can stand be talking for three hours and we are making notes because what is carrying is similar to what i'm carrying i don't have friends who gossip i have friends who gospel they don't bring me bad news they bring me good news if you don't trigger something in my spirit Please stop messing with my soul. You are friends who bring you happiness because they are dealing with your soul. But you want the one that will carry the joy of the Lord into your spirit. Life is too important and yet very short for you to have wasteful friends around you. Let no one waste your time in this church. Let no one waste your time in your service to the Lord. One day, you will stand before the judgment seat of God. God will not ask you, as a Christian, God will not ask you why you rejected Christ. God will ask you why you did not serve him. Be serious about this thing called Christianity. Unless we carry a soul, bring a soul as a result of this sermon, proof bring a soul on wednesday i am teaching you on those who are eagles i want you to come and hear this sermon on wednesday those who are eagles those who are eagles those who are eagles i'll show you something from there finally my friends the conclusion conclusion now conclusion now conclusion let's go no let's let's jump this one go to the lazy christian i want to show you all these things i've taught you you have to cultivate the behaviors that can make it work people who love god work hard laziness will stop you from working hard i want to show you those who are lazy the characteristics of a lazy church worker number one number one number one the lazy church worker is troublesome because the devil finds work for the idle man. Look, Proverbs 10, verse 26, Message Bible. A lazy employee will give you nothing but trouble. It's vinegar in your mouth and smoke in your eyes. If you like, employ anybody who is lazy. I am an employer and I know how painful lazy employees will cause you. 
When you say, we are all, we are doing graduation. We are all meeting there 8 a.m. The lazy one will say, why? 8 a.m., why? I can't come like that. Oh. I can't come. And it will pollute everybody's heart. The graduations are 4 p.m. Why are we there at 8 a.m.? Me, the earliest I can come is 2. The earliest I can come is 2. You understand? Yesterday at the graduation, I'm just making sure there was no lazy person who discouraged my staff. I, 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 do, do you understand what I'm talking about? You see, oh, that is the men's fellowship. We are going on a retreat. Prayer, prayer, prayer. What does it do? This thing, this thing, this thing. They call somebody. I was going to the retreat. Me, I won't go. I won't go. The last time, you see, lazy people cause trouble. Choristers, we are meeting earlier at this time. When you go there, nobody. You, are, are you already on your way going? Eh. But this time, when you go, nobody will be there. Lazy employees. They cause trouble. I'm telling you. There are a lot of very lazy people. Sanctuary keepers have come. They are cleaning. One lazy person will just say, it's okay, it's okay. This thing we are doing, it's okay, it's okay. Why? Are we, are we abroad? Are we not Africans? So Africans, we are accustomed to death. Lazy. Now, no, look at number two. Look at number two. The lazy Christian worker sees working for God as an oppression. Proverbs 12, 24. The diligent find freedom in their work. The lazy are oppressed by work. The lazy are oppressed by work. Some of you, when you wake up in the morning to go to work, the way you lament. Sometimes Professor Cedric sends me mails around 12 midnight. And by 5 a.m., he still sends me another mail. I ask myself, this man doesn't sleep because he finds freedom in his work. He enjoys working. People who are hard working, eh? They enjoy working. They enjoy working. Sometimes mommy will beg me, honey, you are tired out. Do you know why I tell her? I said, if the day ends and I have not done anything, I feel depressed. The earliest I sleep, 2 a.m. By six, I am up. Sometimes mommy will walk to my room. I say, close your laptop. Give me your phones. Give this thing. Give this thing. No, you would not. And she starts crying. You want to kill yourself. You want to kill yourself. You want to kill yourself. Go and sleep. Go and sleep. I, I say, hey, I'm your bishop. Oh. <laughs> Go and sleep. Anytime she brings me a group of drugs, you are tired. You are tired. Take painkillers. Take this thing. I know that there's a sleeping tablet somewhere. <laughs> I know there's a sleeping. One time, eh? One time, after church Sunday like this, honey, you are tired. She gave me nice food. Hey, take this fruit. Take this one and take. I didn't know that we have gone back to the Garden of Eden. I didn't know what he was giving me. Oh, take that. I took them. Come. I drank that water. You know when I woke up. <laughs> the next day. But I was so happy. I woke up and said, wow. I feel so relieved. I feel so nice. I feel this thing. I say, listen. If your husband does not find freedom in his work, you are married to a lazy man. If your wife does not find freedom in her work, you are married to a lazy woman. If you are working in church and you are always complaining. As if we are oppressing you in the church. 
You were a lazy Christian worker. Number three. Number three. The lazy Christian worker gets nothing done. Proverbs 12, 27. A lazy life is an empty life. But early to rise gets the job done. <laughs> One time I was driving with someone on the streets of London. Then we drove past rich place, very rich place at dawn. And all the lights were on around 5 a.m. Around 5. All the lights were on. The guy said, this way don't sleep. I said, rich people wake up early. And then from the rich area, we drove into the poor community. Every light was off. He said, look at these people. I said, poor people don't wake up early. I'm telling you, one, one day, one day, mommy was telling her sister, Dinah, that, hey, around 5 a.m., my husband wants to drink tea. Around 5 a.m., he's drinking tea and all those things. And then Dinah said, yeah, when I used to work with white people, around 5 a.m., they are awake. They are doing things. So that's what we call the 5 a.m. club. It was discovered by research that all rich people wake up very early in the morning, would do their exercises. Those who are Christians will pray and read their Bible. Those who are not Christians, they will do their meditations and yoga, yoga and all those things, eh? And then they read their news, they reply to their mails, they put things together, set their lives, and before they get out. By the time they are getting out of their house, they are two hours, three hours, four hours ahead of the people who they have employed. When you look at your face, you are even sleeping in a kiosk with mosquitoes, and yet you wake up at 10 a.m. I'm a media, I can sleep. Oh. God has given me the gift of sleeping. <laughs> Every day you want to rest. When you like resting, you wrestle with, life, with, with poverty. A little footnote of arm, a little sleep. And poverty will come to you like a bandit. What a change. Work for the Lord. Some of you come to church, a good sermon like this, you are yawning. I've seen one or two people yawning. Even Muslims who pray on mat don't sleep. You sitting on a chair. A lazy life is an empty life. You have nothing to show for your life. Nothing to show for your life. Nothing. You think I've come here emptying around? I've seen lazy women marry men and they do nothing. Then after 20 years, they go to their men. Hey, I've married you for 20 years and I have nothing to show. I have nothing to show. Who told you marriage is a trophy? I'm married for 20 years. I'm raising your children. I'm raising your children. And I have nothing to show. I have nothing to show. Marriage is not a full-time work. Go find something to do. And build your life. All young ladies, are you hearing me? 
Don't think that some man, some foolish man, will come and take you, marry you, take care of you, take care of your mother, take care of your father, and take care of your lazy brother. No! Am I preaching? Am I talking to someone? A lazy life is an empty life. That's why you feel empty. No purpose. Nothing. You feel so lonely. You get up in the morning. You are calling someone to find out. Are you, you the house? I won't come see you. And the person says, I'm in town. Afternoon. Hey, where are you day? Hey. Do, do you know how? Let me show you how empty your life is. This is you. On your bed. From 10 a.m. That you woke up. You haven't brushed your teeth. You haven't washed your face. You haven't gone to see your children. You woke up at 10. This is you lying down on your bed. Empty life. Empty life. Empty life. You are 30 years old. Show me a trophy. You are 25 years old. Show me a trophy. Show me something you have done with your life. Just show it to me. Empty life. Empty life. A lazy life is an empty life. But early to rise, get the job done. But in this church, in this church, we have nothing in your name. Okay, let's go. The lazy worker is an embarrassment to the ministry, to the church. Proverbs 15, verse 20. Message Bible. Intelligent children make their parents proud. Lazy students embarrass their parents. <laughs> Did your mother ever come to your school to celebrate you on prize giving day? No. Your parents were always invited to come to your school for the troubles you were causing. In this church, if you get nothing done, you are an embarrassment. There are some people I've given positions to. I feel very embarrassed. I can't sack them. My people will come to you and say, Charlie, the thing is not working. You know? They are embarrassing me. Elders, don't embarrass me. Deacons, don't embarrass me. Don't let people feel that I ordained you for nothing. You must get things done. In this church, you must visit church members. You must pray for them like this weekend. All elders, all pastors, you are calling Pastor Constance and Samit, and you are telling them that show me one. I want to accompany you to one of the stations and go. This chairs, they are not ministry. One day you come, I'll remove all these chairs, and we are all on the same chair. Okay, finally, finally, this is finally, finally. The lazy Christian worker bears no fruit. The lazy pastor bears no fruit. And I deliberately left the pastor here because I want us to judge our pastors. Where are their fruits? If you call yourself a pastor in this church, you must show fruit. Fruits are human in uh, souls. I don't want to start asking them to get up and show us the souls they are brought to church. It will, mean, it will be me stretching the matter too much. No be so. Uh, so I for end I'm here. I for end I'm here. Just let me read the scripture. 
Proverbs 20, verse 4. A farmer too lazy to plant in the spring has nothing to harvest in the fall. What a Bible. There's a new book I'm doing. It's also titled 60, 60 Wisdom Keys for Practical Living from the, books, the Book of Proverbs. 50 Wisdom Keys for Practical Living from the Book of Proverbs. I say if we're Christian, eh? Even if you are lazy in reading the Bible, I recommend some books to you. The book of John for the New Testament. The book of Acts to know the history. The book of John to know the work of Jesus. The book of Acts to know the work of the Holy Spirit and the early church. Okay? The book of Timothy, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy to understand how to, how, how to have to be pastored. The book of Revelation to understand that Jesus is coming. The book of Psalm to know how to wage warfare. And the book of Proverbs to understand wisdom and how to live. Thank you. I love you all. Thank you for joining me.